0: Hey friends, it's Jenna Overbaugh here. I'm a licensed professional counselor and I'm here to help you do all the hard things, including busting through your fear, intrusive thoughts, and worry so you can live your best life. Some of my earliest memories were being anxious and I lived my life that way until I learned more about OCD and anxiety. Since then, I learned as much as I could and I've been helping people overcome their fear and worry since 2008. Over the years, I've acquired some of the best education, training, and empowerment tools to help you understand your brain a little bit better and to finally overcome all of that fear that's been holding you back. Now, if you're ready to learn more, let's get to it. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, hey, everybody. I am back with another episode of All the Hard Things, here to break down all of those really difficult and impossible sometimes to understand concepts as it relates to OCD, anxiety, and all the hard things. Today is a special episode. I am doing this kind of as a sneak peek to my new fun event that I'm hosting called Journaling with Jenna. So if you are curious about journaling, I would encourage you to go back to the previous episode, um, 117 where we talk about is journaling good or bad for OCD and anxiety and how to make the most out of it and how to make sure that journaling doesn't become compulsive or ritualistic in your recovery. So today I wanna go over, we're gonna go over five basic prompts. That I am not including, obviously, in my Journaling with Jenna session, but these were kind of the other five that I loved and that I wanted to ask my group about, but I want to save the ones for for Journaling with Jenna, obviously. So if you are interested in attending Journaling with Jenna, it's taking place on Monday, March 20th, 2023. I hope to run more in the future. So if you're just catching this, you still have time to sign up. Just go to my website, www.JennaOverbaughLPC.com and hit journal right at the top. You can also head to the links in the show notes and you'll get a direct link of where to learn more about journaling with Jenna, how to sign up. It's going to be 60 minutes of close uh, community. We're going to be supporting each other and we're going to be taking 60 minutes to just focus on you to focus on your recovery, and to just honestly blow your mind with some of these questions that I bet you've never, ever been asked or thought about before. So let's get into it. A lot of these questions were inspired by, not the ones that I used for my journaling session, um that is taking place on March 20th, but the ones that you're seeing here are really inspired by Jonathan Grayson. He's one of my favorites. He's a world-renowned expert, just nationally recognized when it comes to OCD. And he came up with the Goal Handbook, G-O-A-L. It is a successful support group for people who have OCD. And the handbook specifically that he made, just kind of outlining how to make a really good, supportful, um, or successful support group for people who have OCD. It's called The Goal Handbook. And if you go to Jonathan Grayson's website, I will be sure to cite and source everything in the show notes. You'll be able to download it in its entirety. So it's called The Goal Handbook. Again, running a successful support group for obsessive compulsive disorder by Jonathan Grayson. And he is just wonderful. So the questions that I'm that I'm going to go over here are in no way like I said my best, you know, the best or even the ones that I like the most, they're all wonderful. These are not the questions that I will be using in my March 20th session, but they're still really really great. So I'm going to go over each of these prompts. I want you to literally like pause. I want you to literally pause before you hear my follow-up because I'm also going to be sharing my responses and I want you to literally hit pause either on your phone or on your car if you're listening. And I want you to really think about it, not just for like 30 seconds and then come back to it. Like really, really think about it. Go deeper than just that superficial kind of gut reaction or initial response. I want you to really think about it. Give yourself some time. If you give yourself the time and you allow yourself to go a little bit deeper, this will be really, really helpful for you. So first things first, we're going to get into the first question and then I have five. So we have five Of these just mind-blowing questions. First things first, number one, what else are you as an individual besides somebody who has OCD or anxiety? I'm going to give you a second to just pause and think about it. Now that you have come back to me, hopefully you paused and gave yourself some time to think about it, I'm going to share my response. So, the first thing that comes to mind for me always is that I'm a mom. <laughs> like that's always just initial reaction, like knee jerk reaction. I'm a mom. My son, Eli, at the time of this, he's five. And I think of my life literally like before Eli and after Eli. He's just the most momentous event in my life. And it's hard for me sometimes to remember that I'm something else other than a mom, right? Right. So definitely a mom. I'm a wife. I cannot forget about my husband. He's wonderful. We have a great friendship, a great relationship. This probably doesn't get the priority that it deserves. Um, As far as titles go and roles go, I definitely put a lot into my career and my role and my identity as a therapist and advocate and as a mom. I need to probably focus a little bit more on the wife part. I'm also a business owner, like holy cow. For those of you who don't know kind of my behind the scenes stuff that I share sometimes on Instagram, I left my full-time job in December. Um, I hung around for a while until January just to help them tie up loose ends, Um, but I really went all in 100% on my own truly at the end of January of 2023. So it hasn't been for very long, but I have been just loving and nurturing this audience on Instagram in particular um, since 2020. So I've kind of been around for a while, but truly now, like I feel like a legitimate business owner, like my paychecks are no longer coming from a company. They're coming from me. I'm 100% in control of everything that I do and don't do. And it feels really, really good. Um, I absolutely love it. 100%, one of the best decisions that I've ever made for myself. I am an advocate. So there's a portion of me, you know, outside of the things that I do for my career and to make money and to sustain myself and my family and my company. I'm an advocate. I'm a creator. I love the free things that I do um as far as just that widespread education i love doing this podcast and that's another thing that i am right i'm a podcast host i'm a podcast creator i'm really really proud of this i'm an educator i'm a therapist um there are so many things i love scrubs and i love the office i'm an athlete i work out 6 days a week i am a runner i'm a burn boot camper i am an ambassador for a ton of brands that i love um, I'm a journaler. I'm a writer. I'm a, a podcast junkie. Like I'm, I'm a lot of things. I think sometimes we can get so wrapped up in this part of our identity being about OCD and anxiety, and obviously OCD can be so enveloping. It can make you kind of lose your sense of self and help you know get you away from your identity. And it sounds cheesy, but this is truly just one part of ourselves. And even though OCD and all of the compulsions and all of the debilitating stuff that comes along with it. Yes, OCD can infiltrate these other areas, but only if we let it, right? For a long time, OCD really infiltrated my relationship with my son. It caused a lot of um, resentfulness with, with me and my husband as I was really struggling with postpartum OCD. But I let it, right? Like I have to take accountability for that. I allowed... That to thrive, I participated in it by giving into compulsions and asking for accommodations. And OCD cannot thrive without our participation. So, in some way, you know, having OCD is absolutely not your fault, but it is your responsibility. And it's your responsibility, especially as you are finding these resources you know, to do the best that you possibly can with them and to hold yourself accountable to making the right decisions and to realize that you are so much more than somebody who has OCD. Moving on to question number 2. When you are angry, how does this impact your OCD? I'm Going to give you another couple of seconds, minute here to pause and think about it. So now that you're back, I want to share my thoughts. Oh my gosh, you guys, (laughs) to this day, my husband and I still kind of laugh more so myself kind of out of like embarrassment or shame, but this is totally how my OCD and anxiety came out, especially when I was struggling with postpartum. It's how it came out against my husband. And unfortunately, I don't know what it is. I mean, I guess I could have some kind of guesses, right? But we tend to take it out on the people that we love most. I don't know if it's a safety thing. I don't know if it's because you know, we feel safe that they're not going to judge us or that they're not going to just up and abandon us, but we definitely take it out on the people that we love the most. And irritability, rage, that's definitely how mine came up. And I want you all to know too, that OCD and anxiety isn't always that like typical conventional presentation of someone like shaking or biting their nails or like rocking back and forth anxiously or pacing, right? Like sometimes it can come out as very bold and irritable woo, and rageful. There's just something that beeped and it scared me. Um, I'm not even going to edit that out because holy cow. Um, but this is definitely how, you know, the the anxiety and OCD came out for me. I was really struggling with postpartum OCD and I was really obsessive about, um, you know, harming Eli, either intentionally or accidentally, and so many other things. I was just, a lot of my core fears came back to death and something happening to him and me being regretful and feeling guilty. So anytime that my husband would, as all parents do, right, like either accidentally do something that hurt Eli, you know, like, backing into him and, 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 you know, he, and Eli fell over, or if there was any situation where my husband, you know, didn't respond as quickly as I would have with my mama bear instincts, right? Like if Eli did fall and I wasn't able to get to Eli right away, I would just rage on my husband, right? Because it kicked up that dust in me of, you know, that emotional discomfort of Eli being hurt and guilt and regret of like, oh my gosh, like, had I just been watching Eli a little bit more than maybe he wouldn't have gotten hurt. Did I actually want him to get hurt? Blah, blah, blah. And it was so much easier to just take that out on my husband than it was to actually sit with having to resist all of those compulsions or feel that emotional discomfort. So we might get angry when we don't get reassurance. We might get angry when we don't get to do a compulsion or when a compulsion doesn't, you know, get done the way that we want it to be or when we feel like we can't get that that sense of certainty, I can feel like you're just gonna explode and so we end up taking it out on others, especially the people that we care the most about. So just thinking a little bit about how when you're angry how does that impact your OCD and it honestly just made me feel so much worse just made me feel so much worse and so much more disconnected. so last prompt here before we get into a little bit of a of a segue um. Number three, if you could put yourself in your family's place, what would you do to help you with your OCD? What would you have your family do to help you with your OCD? Give you a second to think about it. Okay, now that you're back, I think this is a really good question because when we're in the trenches of our OCD and anxiety, everything can feel so urgent. Everything can feel so desperate that we forget and we don't even think to think about how our family members or our loved ones feel, right? We just want to feel better ourselves. We just want them to give into the accommodation. We just want them to do the ritual. We just want to feel better and move on, right? But when we put ourselves in their shoes, in the shoes of our family members or in the shoes of our loved ones, I think it gives us a lot of empathy, like for where they're coming from and for how difficult it must be for them, right? They're trying to be our loved one, They're probably trying to be our therapist, right? But no one ever really talks about how difficult it is for them. No one ever really talks about how difficult OCD can be for a loved one or for a caregiver or for a family member. So ideally, family members and loved ones, they should be not accommodating. That's really the best case scenario. It's really, really hard. It's really difficult. But it's important to be able to learn how to support someone who has OCD without accommodating. And so as difficult as it might be to not just jump at the hunch that you have to want to ask your family member or loved one to do this compulsion for you, it's really important to, I think, sometimes put yourself in your family's place. Like, how would that make you feel? How do we think that, you know, how do we think that we're making them feel when we're putting them in such a difficult position? If you're digging this podcast so far, I would 100% totally recommend that you check out my friend Zach Westerbeck's podcast. It's called the You're Not Alone podcast. Zach is an advocate. He is a motivational speaker. He's been through it, you guys. He's struggled with severe anxiety, a lot of deep depression, and he's turned it into really his life mission to help other people improve their mental health and decrease symptoms of anxiety and depression. And so this podcast, the You're Not Alone podcast, he brings on a ton of well-trained experts, uh, people who are highly skilled in their practice. I've been on it a couple of times, so go and check out those episodes. I'm a little biased, but they're pretty good. Um, So this podcast, the You're Not Alone podcast, it will help you uncover strategies, help you take actionable steps to help you live a life of passion, fulfillment, and happiness. And ultimately, you'll know what everyone should know, which is that you are not alone on this journey. So you can subscribe. You can listen to those podcast episodes on Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I will also make a note of it in the show notes. So go and check them out. That's Zach Westerbeck at the You Are Not Alone podcast. All right, we're back here with our fourth and fifth prompt. Let's jump right into it. So prompt number four, what do you love about uncertainty and why? Might be a little bit of a hot topic, but I'll give you a a second to think about it. So this is probably a wild question, right? Like, When we have OCD, which is the doubt disorder and the intolerance of uncertainty, what do you mean? Like, what do you love about uncertainty? What are you talking about? I hate it. It's the worst. Um, But I want you to really think about it, right? It's kind of a wild question, but how boring would life be if we knew everything with 100% certainty? It's reality though, right? Like it's reality though. We do not know everything with 100% certainty. We don't know anything with 100% certainty, and I don't want people to get too hung up on the term or the word certainty, right? Like obviously there are people who are walking around with some sense of self and some sense of confidence and some sense of trust, but that's that's trust and that's confidence. That's not certainty, right? So the opposite of doubt is not certainty. The opposite of doubt is trust, but OCD is not satisfied with trust or faith or confidence. It wants 100% certainty, How boring life would be if we knew everything with 100% certainty. How boring life would be if I knew with 100% certainty that no matter what, my husband and I would never, ever, 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 ever get a divorce, right? Like, I probably wouldn't spend as much time, you know, making sure that I do nice little things for him every once in a while, right? Like, making sure that I bring him his favorite coffee when he's having a bad day at work. Um, I probably wouldn't go out of my way to have conversations about what i think needs to be changed right like i probably wouldn't work as hard in that relationship if i just knew with 100% certainty that regardless every we're going to be together no matter what i also would hate that <laughs> like if i knew with 100% certainty i that we would be together i feel like i just knowing myself i would probably rebel against that and i <laughs> i hope he's not listening but that just seems so boring right like to know everything with 100% certainty it's reality, guys. It's reality. We do not know anything with 100% certainty. And it's hard, but I would rather work on accepting that and work on accepting, as Jonathan Grayson calls it, our second best life, rather than chase a fantasy. That is never going to happen, and it's just not achievable. So think about that. Think about all of the reasons why uncertainty is actually a good thing and how it serves you in your everyday life. And then finally, our final prompt, number five. No matter how hard you work at fighting your OCD, there are often unexpected situations that arise that result in you giving in. What situation would be hardest for you to resist? So even if you are stellar and you're rocking your recovery, there are sometimes going to be these unexpected situations that come up that you kind of inadvertently almost give into by doing a compulsion. What situation would be the hardest for you to resist? Go ahead and think about it. All right, when you have OCD, it's easy to say that there are all of these things that you couldn't resist, right? Like, oh my gosh, Jenna, what situation would be the hardest for me to resist? All of them. (laughs) Like, all of them would be hard to resist. I couldn't handle any of those things. But the reality is that, yes, yes, of course you could. You've handled everything so far, and you can handle anything and everything else right? It might not be perfect. It might not be pretty. It might be hard and difficult, but you can handle it. You've handled everything up to this point. There's nothing that you can't handle. So as far as what would be the hardest for you to resist, try to truly, really come up with just one thing, not a general category. Like if anything bad happened to my kid, but something really, really specific, right? Like if my son died before me, right? That would be really, really hard. And when you do this, I want you to start to realize that it's not just everything under the sun that's impossible for you and your OCD, but rather things have varying levels of difficulty. And it's not that everything is a 10 out of a 10, right? There are some nines in there. There are some eights in there. And it's not all impossible. So the hardest situation for me would be to resist ritualizing. Um, Honestly, like if, if Eli died, if my son died before me, I've talked about this in other podcasts. I'm so fearful of the regret that comes with that. And just looking back on my life, feeling like I made horrible decisions and the awful feeling of not being able to have any time back, like looking back on my choices with lots of regret and Eli dying before me would be extremely difficult. I would 100% give into like a ton of rituals, just looking back and ruminating and mulling over old situations and conversations to try to feel better. It would be rough. Um but I can handle other things, right? Like I can handle being away from him for a day. I can handle being away from him for a couple of days. Whereas maybe if you would have asked me that five years ago, I might not have been able to do that. In fact, I I think just maybe a couple of months ago, I spent my first day away from Eli because I would be so scared that if I went out with my friends or if I you know went on a trip to, to visit somebody for a day or two, I would regret that when I'm on my deathbed, right? Like I would be 85 years old, 90 years old in my deathbed, having five days left to live. And I would just relentlessly be on myself about, oh my gosh, like there was that one weekend where you could have had one more day with Eli. And so I've been like a bad friend in a lot of ways. I have so many girlfriends who would go for like weekend trips to Lake Geneva here in Wisconsin. It's a beautiful like vacation destination here. And I miss it every week, every year. I miss it every year because I was always too afraid to be away from Eli. So I made the commitment though to myself that I would do that next year when the time comes again and we go, I am going regardless of what my OCD tries to tell me, regardless of those images that flash in of me being on my hospital bed, I am going. So I can handle being away from him for a day. I can handle being away from him for a couple of days. There's maybe one thing that would be really, really difficult for me to resist, but it's not everything, right? It's not everything. So I hope these journaling prompts were helpful. Again, if you're curious about journaling, go back and listen to the previous episode. There's lots in there about how to make the most of it for your recovery journey. DM me and let me know what your responses are. I would love to hear what your responses were to some of these prompts. And maybe I'll even compile the responses that I get and maybe put them on like a blog post or a follow-up podcast episode. I think that would be really cool. So until then, check it out, guys. Like literally, it's in a day. It's in a day. And I hope to be doing more of them in the future. But journaling with Jenna, if you want more of this, like, oh my gosh, that was a really deep question kind of experience, if you want to focus a little bit more on your recovery, in a way that's structured and guided, come to Journaling with Jenna. It's taking place on March 20th. It's gonna be 60 minutes where you can just totally focus on yourself and your recovery. You deserve that time. You will walk away feeling more focused, you know, just lasered in on your recovery and it's gonna be so, so good. One more thing, go to my website, make sure that you check out my workshops, my other podcast episodes. I have lots of workshops and things that you can do to start feeling better right away with or without a therapist. Check me out on Instagram and TikTok. I'm at jenna.overbaugh, and I can't wait to hear from you guys. See you next time. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. It would mean the world to me if you would take a quick minute to please give it a review. And while you're at it, check out my website at www.JennaOverbaughLPC.com to sign up for my free email newsletter that includes an instant, free downloadable PDF to help jumpstart your OCD and anxiety recovery journey. You can also find me on Instagram or TikTok at Jenna.Overbaugh. If you liked what you listened to here, you can download some of my workshops and courses on OCD, anxiety, and treatment at my website as well. Thank you so much again for tuning in and until next time, keep doing all the hard things.